Hey, y'all. Welcome to Latte and Laundry. I'm Suzanne Bilodeau, and I am so honored to be with you here as we navigate motherhood, wifehood, sisterhood, and everything in between. This is a podcast for my fellow imperfect people who want to grow in greater communion with our most perfect God. So join me and my friends as we laugh, cry, dive deep, and explore with one another as we journey towards stilling our souls while moving our world. Hi, my lovely friends. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Latte and Laundry here. Okay, I'm going to give it a shot again of doing another bonus episode, another uh, bonus Bible study episode, because last time it just blessed my own heart since I have not had the opportunity to get back involved in the Bible studies that I have over the years in this season of life. I I want to do this so that I can continue to explore the Gospels at a more intimate level. And um, what better way to do it than with you, my friends, here. So this episode is going to be around the gospel for the Sunday, um, February 19th, 2023. And the gospel is Bible verses Matthew 5, 38 through 48. So I'm going to open us up. I'm going to read these Bible verses and then we'll dive in to some reflection and discussion. Okay, so be patient and bear with me. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you. And do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only... What is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, friends. <laughs> be perfect. Okay. So this Bible verse, these this this gospel, has been one that I think we can all say we, we recognize, we've heard over and over and over again many years. And I think, honestly, for a number of years, I heard it and I thought to myself, I didn't really put a lot of deep reflection into this Bible verse. Other than being kind to those who are unkind to you, I often really heard it as love your enemies. Okay, well, I don't really feel like I have any explicit enemies. Sure, there's people that I'm not super close with. Sure, there's people that I have heartache and struggle with, but I don't have any explicit enemies. And this is where I think we can all get extremely, extremely misled with regards to this gospel, right? Because I think oftentimes we might think of our enemy as someone um, who has very much wronged us, abandoned us, rejected us, a friend that's turned their back on us, um, a loved one or a relative who has shamed us 
or had some massive falling out with or some wound. Or maybe it was <laughs> maybe it was that professor or teacher that just treated you horribly or that boss who didn't have one kind word to say. There are these people, right, that we can easily tend to in our hearts and our minds and say that's the enemy that Christ is asking me to be more loving to. That's the person I should turn my cheek my cheek to. But I think oftentimes there are greater enemies in the depths of our heart and our mind and our soul that we on a conscious level are not even aware of. So for example, maybe your enemy isn't just that person who harmed you or wronged you. Maybe you're struggling right now in your marriage as many of us have over the years. Maybe you're in a, in a low place and a vulnerable place in your marriage. And the couple that you see at church every Sunday who seems to have it all together, who seems to be perfect, who seems to be loving and adoring of one another is an enemy within your soul. Someone who creates an envy, um, a resentment, all these bubbling up of these unfortunate, painful emotions in your heart and soul. And those, my friend, are some of the places where we have our secret enemies. Or maybe it's not the, the, the perfect looking couple, but it's the mom who somehow always seems to have it all together. She's always looks polished and, and put together. Her kids' clothes are not always falling apart. Their hair isn't always mangled and their, their um, shoes always match one and the other. Maybe you see that mama and you see her on time for mass or you see her on time for that co-op or you see her on time for school every day and you create this enemy, this secret little enemy in your heart because she seems to have it all together. There's even other places within our hearts and souls that we have created enemies that are far greater than the, the enemy on the battlefield, right? Woohoo! And this is, I feel like, an opportunity for all of us to take a step back, pause, pray through. What is it? Who and what are the secret enemies of our souls? Right? Um, one of the definitions of enemy is a thing that harms or weakens something else. What is it that harms or weakens you? And a lot of times this is like I was referencing to these, these secret enemies. A lot of times these are enemies that we have allowed ourselves to create within our heart might not necessarily be that boss that that treated you poorly or that friend who abandoned you it might be something that you the devil has made a crack open in your soul and is allowed to breathe lies into who you are based on this person or this interaction or this success or this failure these secret small hidden enemies in our soul that after a while with enough time with enough um, energy they can bubble up and create a real painful place within our hearts, a place in which, unfortunately, can cause us to not turn the other cheek, can cause us not to give them um, our cloak, and can cause us to create a distance between us and the love of our Heavenly Father, right? And as I was um, praying through this idea of enemies and enemies in our soul, I was rereading this, this line where God says, or Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. I find it extremely fascinating that God did not say, like your enemy. No, no, my friends. He said, love your enemy. There is a huge difference, a monstrous difference between love and like. Love is not simply a, a more intense, passionate version of, 
of like as it sometimes is implied. I think a lot of times we think, you, you know, you think of the child who says, well, I like cake, but I love ice cream, right? Love and like do not have the same connotation here or the same deeper meaning here with regards to how we feel towards another. To like someone is actually to find them agreeable, pleasant, or enjoyable, okay? Liking implies like positive emotions, good feelings, and good chemistry between two different people. It includes a sense of pleasure when you're with a person or when you're thinking about them. You really like them. You're fond of them. Liking is based on such things as mutual interests or temperaments or personalities, a camaraderie of like similar life experiences or what you're carrying and going through right now. Um, liking someone is is both emotionally, psychologically, and intellectually fun and fulfilling. Like you gain a lot out of spending time with somebody that you really enjoy and that you like. It's the foundation of really great friendships, right? And it's beautiful. And that like can be something greater. It can be this more intense love, self-sacrificing love in relationship with someone else. But it's interesting because the Bible never talks about liking everyone, Rather, explicitly explicitly speaks to loving everyone. Well, like liking someone can happen naturally in some relationships. Loving people, as God defines it, is not always natural, right? We might naturally love our children. And I think this is where the vocation of marriage sometimes is really important because it sometimes takes more of us to fight against our natural response with our spouse than it does with our children. You might naturally love your children and you might get along as they grow up with some some of your children more than others depending on your interests and and things like that but you love them all so deeply and with our spouse we fall in love we make these vows we say we're going to spend eternity with each other but it's very easy to not have the natural inclination of liking someone as easily as it might be with something like your children and that's where like for our marriages, it may take a lot more intentional effort to love your spouse in the life-giving, self-sacrificing way that God calls us, right? Um, while liking someone may eventually lead to loving someone, from God's perspective, liking is not simply like a prerequisite to loving. In fact, God actually commands us to love people that we may not like at all. Right? So that's why I think it's so fascinating that Christ does not say, like your enemies. He actually tells us to love them. Thinking and acting in loving ways towards others often requires us to ignore our own negative feelings about them, right? Which is clearly not very easy, but it requires commitment to God's way of living and trusting that his way is right. Right? So why is it important for us to understand this difference between liking and loving? My friends, is because it takes our emotions actually out of the equation. It seems almost impossible if you read that, that Bible verse from Christ when he says, love your enemies, if you read it like, like your enemies. And you can have someone that you rub up against constantly like sandpaper that causes friction and tension and pain in your heart. And you might look to the heavens and say, God, I don't know that I can ever like this person. They treat me horribly. We have nothing in common. We don't get along. And it's almost, it feels like almost an impossible feat. But this, my friends, is where we are lucky. Because Christ is not actually asking us to 
like them. He's not asking us to feel good about spending time with them. He's not asking us to have a camaraderie and enjoyable experiences with this person. No, he's simply asking us to love. And what does loving our enemies look like? It can be as simple as just showing kindness and respect. When you feel the frustration bubbling up with you, within you with regards to someone that you struggle with, someone that causes you pain, someone who has become an enemy within your heart and soul, we be careful. We guard our mouth and our lips so that we don't say an offhanded, judgmental comment. We don't gossip. We show them the honor and respect that love deserves. My friends, my spiritual director once told me, that the only thing we owe anybody on this earth is charity. And this, my friends, is love in its purest. So it's not that you want to, when God asks us to love our enemies, he's not asking us to um, invite them over for a cup of coffee and a play date. And maybe he is. Maybe (laughs) the Holy Spirit has been... um, swirling around in your heart and mind asking you to love them in a way that would reconcile the relationship and create a freedom and a peace by you dropping your walls and your guards but I think at the greatest place in which God is asking us is to simply love out of charity making sure you don't exclude that person that you don't really want around because they bother you if you we know it would cause them a heartache and pain to be isolated or excluded from everyone else it means just putting on a smile on that face, a smile on that face of that barista that constantly um, gets your order wrong, treats you like you're small, or makes you feel frustrated. It's being kind to the cashier at the, at the grocery store who often seems to be having a bad day and never puts on a smile. It's respecting and honoring and being obedient to your boss who treats you terribly. It's loving through the way of Christ himself, loving one another. And I think it's something that all of us, whether or not you feel like you have explicit enemies, if we take the time, my friends, to really pray and reflect on who is the enemy of my soul, ask Jesus to reveal that to you. Because sometimes they're a lot creating a lot more pain, heartache, and rotting within the depths of our own hearts that we might even realize. And once he reveals who that enemy is, ask him for the grace to love them better. Ask him to show us how to love, how to be an instrument of his love in this world, especially as he called us to, to love our enemies. And I honestly think that Christ had our own hearts and minds at hand when he called us to love our enemies, because there's a secret blessing, this secret grace, this tiny hidden little way that comes when we choose to love in God's way. A path is created for these like incredible feelings inside of us. I don't know about you guys, but when somebody has done me in a massive injustice or someone has hurt me and somehow through the grace of God, I can turn the other cheek, right? Give them the other cloak. Never turn my back on doing good. When I'm able to do those through the grace of God and able to love in that way, I am filled with with an immense amount of um, joy and and positive emotions within myself. Right thoughts and actions lead to right feelings, friends. So when we're loving in our thoughts and in our actions, we'll eventually actually 
feel an overwhelming sense of love. When we obey God's law of love, we open ourselves up to God himself even more. And he is love. So through loving our enemies, we have opened a pathway and a gateway to receive more of God's love himself. And St. Augustine has a great quote on this. And he says, you have enemies. For who can live on this earth without them? Okay, my friends, we all have enemies. But he says, take heed to yourselves. Love them. In no way can your enemy so hurt you by his violence as you hurt yourself if you love him not. Right? The the pain and sorrow that bubbles up in the depths of our soul when we hold on to a tightness of hating our enemies is more detrimental to us than it is to the person who could have even hurt us violently. And I love this quote. And it's not easy, right? Like we actually have to fight against um, our nature in these places. Like we discussed, you do not have to like them. You do not have to be fond of them. But we have to make a decision with the act of our will to follow what Christ has called us to and to give up our desires and our natural instinct to to um, maybe treat this person poorly or respond in a, in a similarly negative way. And instead, with our will, fight our nature and love. St. Francis de Sales says, a man makes the most progress and merits the most grace precisely in those matters wherein he gains the greatest victories over self and most mortifies his own will. When we die to those negative emotions that come bubbling up within us, we rebuke the enemy and we say, okay, not today, Satan. And we allow God's graces to pour out within us so that we can love We are opening ourselves up, like I said, to those graces that God wants to give us so that we will actually swell up with more love within us, making it far easier to actually love those enemies. And there was one other piece of this that I I thought was so important to touch on, a part that, to be honest, I have struggled with over the years. When he tells us, for if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Right? That's simple. That's easy. That's not as, as hard of a self-sacrificing love. He's saying, if you simply love those, it's easy to love. Are you really living out your life as Christ asked you to live? Sure, love them, but also love those that are difficult and those hard, right? Because do not tax collectors do the same? If you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? And then he ends it. With a simple line of, so be perfect, just as your heavenly father is perfect. Okay, my friends, this is one line I have struggled with. I'll be honest, as what I consider myself as a recovering perfectionist myself, someone who is type A and can have a lot of um, places of woundedness that have led to grasping at control and needing to be perfect in every facet of my life. And I've really grown in letting go of that, grown in letting Jesus meet me in these places and let me know that he loves me perfectly. That's the only perfection I will ever meet in this life is the love of God himself. So then how is he telling us here to be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect? And as I was praying through this and reading through this, the word in which Jesus is used, used here 
when he says, so be perfect, is a Greek word which means the Greek word teleos. And I'm, again, probably butchering that, <laughs> that word, whose actual translation meaning means having reached its end, complete, mature. Okay, and we God is showing us the way of his love and we are not mature or complete in our love. If we only allow our love and Christian worldview to apply to those that are not enemies of our soul. But then when we turn our back, if it's someone we struggle with and we don't also love in the way that God calls us to love, then we are not yet mature and complete as our heavenly father is, right? The Bible verse says, does the sun not shine? He allows his sun to rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. How we love should not be something that is mutually exclusive to our enemies. We need to have an umbrella of love. Not like my friends, but an umbrella of love that encompasses and covers everybody that we interact with. The hard, the easy, the ugly, the beautiful, the messy, the good, regardless. This is the calling of the maturity of God's love is he asking us to do. So let's be perfect, my friends. Let's have that complete overarching encompassing love just as our father, heavenly father does and i'd love to read this quote by pope benedict the 16th who's um wrote this beautiful um commentary on loving our neighbor and i think again it just shows that when christ called us to love our neighbor and love our enemies specifically it wasn't simply to serve our enemies and to Um, bring them closer to God. No, my friends, through loving our enemies, we actually have a pathway, a readiness, an openness to meeting Christ and embracing him in his most perfect love. So Pope Benedict XVI says, love of neighbor is thus shown to be possible in the way proclaimed by the Bible by Jesus. It consists in the very fact that in God and with God, I love even the person whom I do not like or even know. This can only take place on the basis of an intimate encounter with God, an encounter which has become a communion of will, even affecting my feelings. Okay, you guys, this is... Pope Benedict XVI precisely saying that even this communion of will with God's will actually has the power to change our feelings towards those whom we do not know or like he says, even like. Gosh, Jesus is so brilliant. Obviously, he's God. But how he gives us these beautiful commands and these callings to transform our own hearts and soul. So let me close this in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, I praise you for the gift of your perfect heart, your perfect graces, your perfect mercies, your perfect goodness, your perfect, perfect love. I I ask that you bless all of us here today, all of us listening with our hearts and our minds open to your perfect ways, 
that we may be filled with the graces, that we may allow ourselves to have that door open up to a pathway of love like you have led us so that we may be able to love both our friends and our enemies and that through our love we will be able to more intimately, carefully, even from a distance, shepherd others towards knowing and loving you. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, friends. Well, as always, <laughs> this has been a blessing. Um, I hope you all have a amazing rest of your your week your weekend leading into this sunday um and i can't wait to catch up with all you guys next week god bless